Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, whenever I think of diamonds, I think of Marilyn Monroe. That's logical. Mm -hmm. She's wearing a hot pink dress, singing a certain song uh, called Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. And uh, when I first watched the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is when you know Marilyn Monroe sings the, the big diamonds number, I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, and the song really got on my nerves because I was like, how? I was like, that's stupid, Marilyn Monroe. Diamonds cannot be your best friend. They can't talk to you. They can't play games with you. So, Molly, what do you think? Um, are diamonds a girl's best friend? Was Marilyn Monroe right? You know, Kristen, I think to answer that question, we're going to mm -hmm. have to look a little bit at the history of diamonds. Right. And what you should probably know, what you probably did not know when you were 10, was that Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, that movie came out in 1953. Mm -hmm. And you know what was going on at the height of that time? What? Promotion of diamonds. Ah. Basically, all the diamonds in the world are owned and sold by one company mm -hmm. called De Beers, who may sue us after this podcast. <laughs> but basically, to make money, obviously, they had to sell the diamonds. And this all started... Um, in the early 1900s, when they're like, oh man, we got all these diamonds, we gotta sell them. Right. And one of the big things in 1947 was a copywriter wrote the famous line, a diamond is forever. And this was sort of the linchpin of just the most brilliant marketing campaign of all time. Mm -hmm. I think Advertising Age actually named the diamonds is forever slogan, like the number one slogan of the millennium because it was so successful because really before De Beers came around and started uh hawking their diamonds to uh to to women everywhere, um it diamonds really weren't that huge of a deal. Oh no, you did not get a diamond engagement ring the way we think of getting diamond engagement rings now. Mm-hmm. Um uh my favorite 
old engagement ring was uh, some women, I think in the Victorian era, used to get thimbles. That's right. Whole engagement ring. That was the token of appreciation. And before the diamond campaign com- came along, it was much more likely to get an opal ring, a mm-hmm. ruby ring, sapphires, turquoise. These were the more exotic jewels. Right. Because really diamonds are very common. Right. They're, they're no more uncommon than any of the other, you know, precious gems. But because of the way De Beers marketed them to us, we think of them as these very exotic gems and they really symbolize a lifetime together. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as emphasized by Diamond is Forever. And, you know, part of their campaign was getting diamonds on celebrities like Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. offering them to the queen. So wherever you turned as a young woman in that time, you saw your idols wearing diamonds. Right. And the campaign worked so well. I think it was by 1965, 80% of American women were wearing diamond engagement rings. Yeah. And you know what I think really the brilliant part of this was, is they appealed to women because they're like, oh, look at this very wonderful jewel. You must have it. Right. But it also said to men, if you really love your lady, mm-hmm. you got to get her a diamond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this whole thing around, um, you know, an engagement ring should, you know, typically cost the, the man one to two months salary. I think the, the average cost of a, a, a diamond engagement ring these days is $3,200. Right. And do you know what the markup on that is? What? Well, as soon as you put a diamond in a ring, it's getting marked up 100 to 200% of its actual value just by putting it in the ring. Wow. And that's just because, I mean, diamonds, to be fairly honest, not to hate on diamonds, not that special. You're right, Molly. Diamonds really are not, are not that special because what they're made of, carbon, is not exactly uncommon. I mean, 18% of our bodies are made up of carbon. It's everywhere. It's just a very particular kind of carbon. It's, you know, it's the hardest, you know, mineral in the world. It's the hardest mineral. It's a very pressurized mm-hmm. form of carbon. It has to have um, 435,113 pounds per square inch of pressure. And it has to ha- be made at very high temperatures, right. 752 degrees Fahrenheit. But if that doesn't happen, the, the carbon is basically just going to not become a diamond, but probably become something like graphite or fullerite. Mm-hmm. It's not like you see ladies walking around with graphite engagement rings. Yet. Yet. Yeah, so why do we, so why do we have these, this obsession with diamond rings in the first place? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Molly. You know, as a little girl, I would put on my mom's rings and pretend to have, you know, a pretty diamond ring on. I just wonder why we have this cultural obsession with diamond engagement rings. Why do women need to have engagement rings in the first place? Well, rings given on the occasion of an engagement Mm -hmm. are sort of an old tradition. They came back from the Romans. As you mentioned earlier, you might just get a thimble. Um, the first known diamond engagement ring was actually commissioned uh, for Mary of Burgundy by the Archduke Maximilian of Austria in 1477. Ooh. Clearly a romantic. Maximilian. <laughs> Be still, my heart. Um, and it wasn't until the 19th century when, as we mentioned, they had all these diamonds that it really became a thing to do a diamond engagement ring. Now, Molly, I think that we could trace the this rise in popularity of diamond engagement rings in particular Back to sex. Really? Yes. Because um, in the early 20th century, when this whole diamond campaign is starting to develop, by that point, virginity was really no longer something that women held held on to until marriage. Okay. But very close before that, right? Very close before that, right. They would probably, you know, would remain virgins until, you know, their boyfriend asked them to become their fiancé. But a lot of times once a couple got engaged, they would, they would do it, do the deed. They would do the deed. Since women were losing their virginity during, before they got married, there was this concern that 
a guy, you know, after he sampled the goods, he would just leave them high and dry. Right. Why buy the cow? Exactly. So what's a girl to do? Put a down payment on that with an engagement ring. Right. So if they were left, they had something. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was basically like a no trespassing sign. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe I've done the deed, but you spent two months of your salary on me. So what are you going to do now? (laughs) That's an investment. Well, also, Molly, until the 1930s, a woman could sue her fiancé if he dumped her for something called a breach of promise to marry. Mm. Yeah. So, you know. She could just take him to court if he dumped her. But after the 1930s, that law goes away. So, uh-oh, she needs something. So once again, this reinforces the whole idea of, you know, put, you know, put the money down. Give me a ring. Security deposit. Security deposit. But I wonder, Kristen, why are women, you know, why? I, I wonder why they were so crappy at picking out these men who were just going to love them and leave them. I mean, that is the age-old battle every woman has to face out in the dating field, Mm -hmm. which is why I was really interested um, by an article. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Uh, The guy's name is Satoshi Kanazawa, and he wrote a book called Why Beautiful People Have More Daughters. Mm -hmm. He did this little excerpt of it um, at Psychology Today, and he was talking about how the main struggle a woman has when she is looking for a mate is she's got to figure out who are the guys who are going to love and leave her right? and who are the ones who are going to stick around. Mm -hmm. And that is where women get sort of the need to have an engagement ring because once the man gives her the ring, mm-hmm. in addition to it being a, you know, a commitment, a down payment that you were just mentioning, it's also sort of a sign that the guy will stick around. Right. And not just any gift will do according to this author. I mean, you can't just give a girl a house. You can't just give a girl a sports car. Why not? I mean, those are, those are nice things. Those would cost you, you know, probably more than two months salary. Because you have an investment in those as well. Eventually, you might drive the sports car. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you might live in the house. Apparently, according to this guy, the more useless a gift, the better. While at the same time being very expensive. Mm-hmm. That's how a girl's going to know if he's really into her. Because it's a selfless, a completely selfless gift that right. he's giving her. And it has no worth other than being pretty. Well, that may be true, Molly. You know, a diamond engagement ring could be a sign that, you know, your mate is honest about his intentions. Although, um, I think it does say something that the divorce rate is at 50%. So maybe that's not exactly, uh, diamond engagement ring isn't a guarantee that something's going to last forever. Um, but I think that the sort of the cultural tradition around engagement rings has maybe, has maybe shifted, like the ideology around it that you know, women need to be, it's a sign that we are now off the market. You know, men don't wear engagement rings. It, it does seem sort of like this, um, I don't know, uh, a reflection of like archaic gender roles. Right. It's, and it's very much a double standard. You know, we're not shelling out two months salary for anything for the guy. Mm-hmm. He, you know, we're walking around with engagement rings off the market, whereas a guy doesn't. Right. Um, but you know, in, in a country like Scandinavia, they have very, um, equal gender roles in society mm-hmm. and both men and women wear engagement rings then. Well, there's also been just, uh, random trend stories that have come up about, which might also be part of just marketing efforts to try and sell more diamonds and rings, but, um, new trends of male engagement rings, you hmm. know, supposedly more women are popping the question to the man. And, um, so they are then presenting men with their own rings. There was a, a story in, uh, last month in the independent newspaper in the UK about how, you know, all these British women are now proposing to men. And so high end stores are now starting to sell men's engagement rings. But I don't know if that would really catch on. Really don't know. You know what's surprising though is how many trends do catch on, Kristen. Have you ever seen a right hand ring commercial? 
The gist behind the right hand ring is that women are so financially independent that even if they don't have a man, they could buy their own diamond ring. Right, but that's still, I don't know. It still says that you need to prove something about your worth with, you know, something on your hand. I think it's just another marketing ploy. I think they're all marketing I'm ploys. I'm skeptical. So does that mean that you don't think that diamonds are a girl's best friend? Well, I think in addition to, to answer that, in addition to the marketing campaigns that have been around it and sort of this false idea, you know, that women need a diamond, that they're these rare, precious gems. There's also been a lot of controversy about um, the actual mining processes and um, kind of human rights issues surrounding diamonds. I think, you know, it came into the mainstream with the movie Blood Diamond that came out a few years ago. And a blood diamond or um, conflict diamond, as, as it's more commonly known, is a diamond that's been stolen or illegally mined and then sold to raise money for rebel militias or terrorist groups. And then those, you know, those groups then, you know, inflict violence. Suffering. Yes. Massive suffering. Um, But, you know, people know it's a problem. And so the UN and the Conflict-Free Diamond Council uh, have basically instilled better regulations so that, you know, the estimate is that about 98% of the diamonds um, on the market are conflict-free. Mm-hmm. But you know, Kristen, you know, I was just listening to you talk about conflict diamonds. This has been a very um, down with diamonds sort of podcast. Yeah, it's been sort of anti-diamond. We've been fairly negative about it, but I do have to say that, you know, if some guy walked in here, got down on one knee and gave us a diamond ring, I mean, obviously it'd be the problem that it was a stranger likely, but that would be odd. <laughs> but you know, you'd probably want the ring. If anything, to pawn it. True. Um, but I mean, when it comes right down to it, while they may not be our best friend, girls still love diamonds. We do love diamonds. We love carrots, cuts, the four C's, all of that. Right. The four C's, Molly. Should we should we talk about what to look for if we ever are on the occasion that, all right, we know that this is just De Beers cramming some false need down our throats, but you know what? I'm getting married and I want a diamond. Yeah. Lay down the four C's first. The four C's, Molly. Cut, color, clarity, and carrot. Mm. Impressive. Yes. And you know, even if it's a little while before we get diamonds, we still have to look at diamonds. Mm-hmm. The Hope Diamond. Well, Molly, you know, the Hope Diamond, Hope Diamond's pretty big. All right. It's 112 carats. It would probably not make for a very good ring because it'd be really heavy. But, but awesome. Well, maybe if that's your style. I myself would go for the Cullinan. What is that diamond? Well, Molly, the Conan is the largest diamond ever found. It's 3,106 carats. Now, you guys can't see Kristen when she was talking about that diamond, but she was just glowing. She clearly loves that diamond. And I have a theory, Kristen, as to why you love it. Do you want to hear it? Yes, I do. Hormones. Hormones. They're mentioned in all of our podcasts, so hormones ha- must have something to do with it. <sighs> Molly. Hormones. It's I, not. It's always not hormones. For once, you know, female hormones definitely make us do some odd things sometimes, but it is not what is behind some yearning for a diamond, Molly. It is 100% marketing. Wow. So every skeptic. It's marketing. For once, our hormones get off the hook. Yep. But if you want to learn more about diamonds and hormones, you can go to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? 
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.